0: That's your decision now, don't I? This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast.
1: My name is Sam Rogers. I am a U.S. Army veteran, Afghan war veteran, uh, small business owner, and a uh, veteran policy advocate. Love it.
0: So we were talking... Sam, good to have you here, man. Uh
1: I, I see you're like fully caffeinated. <laughs> this is a a basic white girl flavor, and I'm like Dude, living for it, man. So good. It's so good. It's
0: so good. <laughs> it's so good. Like the caramel yeah. vanilla. And I typically don't drink a lot of them because they they have some sugar in them. But yeah. all my all my buddies, like I think those are those are Are given. We we have a refrigerator at Joe's podcast, and he. I think he might chug like ten of those before the show (laughs) sometimes. So this guy, um, this guy's awesome. So this is a Sig three six five. Yeah. From they did the lower Allegiant holster company. These guys. Nice. They did this, but he's been doing like magazines and new. It's clean. Custom holsters for. For my SDIs and 365s, I bought 20,
1: excuse me, 365s for the IPO to give out to employees. It's the most underrated bang for buck carry gun, I think, on the market. It's incredible um, in performance and cost. It just can't be beat, man. It's awesome.
0: And now I got one in woodland camo. (laughs) So this is what happens when... And the funny thing is with this guy is he keeps trying to give me shit. And he's like... He's like, "Hey, man! Like, uh, I feel bad sending you stuff." I'm like, "No! Like, I'll pay for it." Dude. Right? Like, I, it's good I'm stuff. a big boy. I, right. I got, I got a big, I got a checkbook. My big boy I, I got, I can got, <laughs> I got, I got, I got put my Oshkosh Pachas on, man. I, I, I can afford a fucking. Yeah. I
1: can afford a fucking holster, weirdo. And congratulations <laughs> on the IPO, by the way. That's uh, huge. It's really exciting, man.
0: God, you know, it's a lot of guys talk about it, and I mean, I, I still think it's. Surreal. It's awesome. You know, now the work begins. I just had my first earnings call last week and uh, I, it, it, it doesn't, it, I, like, there's like zero stress. People always think, like, this is going to be stressful. Oh my gosh, you know, it's going to change the company. I'm like, hasn't changed the company.
1: has a good team, anything. right?
0: Yeah. Like, we have a really good C level team. We've got, you know, Great people that work here in the company. We've got a mission. Like right. It, it hasn't changed. Like it it's just a little bit more um reporting as far as like yeah. He, but the planning hasn't really changed. Like nothing's really changed. I, I was kind of I, I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm like, oh <laughs> fuck, what's gonna happen? You know, I'm like, not really. It's it, it's all the same. It's good to see you, man. It's good. Where would you come in from, AZ?
1: Uh no, no, it came in from uh, from Wisconsin. So You my, flew all
0: the way out from Wisconsin? He did.
1: It's Holy yeah. shit. Jeez, um, man. I and I would almost say uh your mountains I think Wisconsin's beautiful. I love Wisconsin, but yeah. the uh the, the snow capped mountains surrounding Salt Lake City are just it's gorgeous. Yeah, it is. It's like therapeutic, just staring at it. Uh, is that where you're for, originally from? From yeah, Milwaukee area. Okay, so I, I grew up there. Um, <clears throat> after I did uh, a couple semesters of tech school because my mom mm-hmm. wouldn't sign the age waiver to join the army. Right, uh, I joined the army. Um, hey, go go let that dumbass out, will you, please? <laughs> I knew he was going to fucking do that. <laughs> the. Uh, Uh, So, yeah. So, I, uh, you know, joined the Army, um, 2005. Yeah. Um, I went to Benning, then Wachuca uh, for uh, interrogator school. And, um, yeah, eventually decided to come back to Wisconsin. So, how long were you in? I did eight years active duty. Yeah. Um, I was at 2nd Infantry Division, 1st and 5th Striker Brigade. Right. um, Which was my first unit, and it was the best unit. (laughs) it was like the best company, um, amazing leadership, all really interesting people in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for, for better, for worse, for worse, I definitely just thought that that was the whole army. Right. You know, it was this like perfect mixture of, you know, my first sergeant was like a, it was like a group support guy, you know, like understood the importance of, you know, for a bunch of pokes, right. Cause we're Intel guys, like being able to um, uh, integrate into line units, into soft elements mm-hmm. so that we could, you know, do our force protection job. Right. Um, <clears throat> cause if you can't integrate, you know, if you can't like, you know, maneuver, if you can't communicate, if you can't operate weapon systems, comm systems, you know, you get left behind on the, on the FOB, which right. means that you're not providing the force multiplication service that like you're there for. Right. And so it was really great. I would say I was probably a mediocre soldier until, until I got there and really started kind of seeing all these things and getting these unique training experiences. Um, and, uh, you know, I deployed for the first time in 2009 mm-hmm. to the uh, Kandahar surge in Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, I was there. <clears throat> um, so I was all over... Um, Kandahar City, mm. Arkandau River Valley, uh, finished the tour out in Boldak on the Paki border. Yeah, um, And that was, uh, that was uh, you know, I grew up on Blackhawk Town, right? That mm-hmm. was like my post 9-11 movie, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I don't have really any military family, so I didn't know anything about the Army. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, you know, 9-11 happened. I was probably 10 minutes late for school. So I was going to skip the whole day. And, uh, I remember like pouring this like big ass bowl of like, uh, some kind of cereal It was probably like fruity pebbles, knock right. fruity pebbles, right, the right. big generic bag mm-hmm. and sitting down and turn on the TV. Like right as the second plane came in and it was, it was a life changing moment for me where I think it might've been the first time I felt like, felt like real anger, real drive to do something. And, uh, I wanted to be an air marshal at first, which is a silly job uh, for like a, you know, 15 year old or whatever to want to be, but it was just like the logical thing, right? <clears throat> it's like, well, yeah. oh, there's someone on that plane, you know, you know, pulling the trigger a few times, like maybe this could have been prevented. Some, right. So maybe I could be that guy, mm. you know, in the future. And uh, with the advent of the internet, I just started calling around to random like federal facilities mm. and like fed on and they're like. Like, was this, like, stop called This, this is the FBI. <laughs> stop calling us. You know what I'm like, but but I don't know anything about this. So I'm just like, how do I be that guy? Like I would just call and like, you know, like, hey, right. how do I be that guy? Yeah. And eventually, some some lady like took pity on me, I think, and like put some guy on the phone, and he's like. Well, you got to go to college, you know, are you good at school? And I was like, Oh no, I'm not I'm really bad. And uh, he's like, well, you know, it's a lot, you know, most fed law enforcement guys, you know, they come out of college or he's like, you know, we, we are taking guys from like military, like Intel programs. Right. You should consider that. And I was like, Oh, I never thought of that. That's a good idea. Cause I could go, you know, I could go fight a little bit yeah, yeah. and then I could, I could go do my then dream job of uh, being an air marshal. So right. that's kind of how I like found my way into the army. So what year was that? 2005? Um, when so you joined? I, when I joined. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I was right, finally, right. I was finally 18. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't need my mom, right. my mom's permission to uh, join. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I was off to the, off to the races. So and- w- what MOS was that? Um, it was 97 Echo originally, then yeah. 35 Mike. So it started as interrogator, pure, yeah. and then uh human intelligence collector, which was like more of a blend of some of the other human disciplines, mm-hmm. um, you know, strategic debriefing and military source operations. And that's really where I where I found my calling. Um I don't have like the weird Personality defects that make people like interrogations. Right. You know? Yeah, uh, it's yeah. like wasn't really my thing. Yeah. Um, although I mean it's like exciting to do tactical questioning on objective and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that I think that's I've always thought that was the most so like when you <laughs> capture somebody, the information yeah. Hold on. Yeah,
0: I, I think this is like this is something that I think everybody will find fascinating. Yeah because Nobody understands the regulations oh my God, regarding yeah. tactical questioning and interrogation. They always think that what happens, and this is what I've gotten a lot from a lot of people. Right. So you can dispel a lot of myths right now, <laughs> which is they would think that we would hit an objective and then just be full of like Al-Qaeda everywhere with everywhere. like, you know, bomb suits on mm-hmm. and like, and then we'd roll them all up and then we'd start waterboarding them. <laughs> like that. that's literally what right. their image right. is yeah. of what happens. I'm like... Yo, dude, that 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 doesn't happen. I right.
1: mean, maybe early on in the war, uh, or when frustrated, non-untrained personnel <laughs> for sure, right? But it, by by the time
0: Iraq, for me at least, was a fairly organized and orchestrated war. Yeah, th- none of that happened. So, explain the rules of the road when it comes to tactical questioning uh, as much right. as you can. So, I a think lot to
1: be fascinating. Yeah. So, a lot of it depends, and and again, I'm I'm not. I am not even the expert because I... You're a bigger expert than I am and most people. Right. I didn't like interrogations. I got certified every deployment. But so essentially, you know, tactical questioning is like very basic, direct, like where are the, where's the rest of your element type questions? Like which couch is, is the, are the weapons hidden under, you know, these are direct, simple, (sighs) non-manipulative questions where you're relying on essentially the shock of capture. Right. Um and the, 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 the battle that has recently occurred, right, um, to, uh, you know, for people to just answer those questions. Um, real formal interrogations are like running systematic approaches and like trying to do deep dives into their backgrounds and, and all of this stuff um, to elicit information of value. And that's another key differentiator between law enforcement interrogations and military intelligence interrogations. A lot of people... Think that they're the same, Um, but like for law enforcement, the the goal is to elicit a confession, Mm -hmm. right? And then it's like, oop, done. Pass it off to the DA or prosecutor, whatever. It's my job is done. In the intelligence community, the goal is we don't care about a confession. The goal is to uh, is to collect uh, tactically important, pertinent information or strategically valuable information, you know, how these groups organize, what they do, how they communicate, things like that. I didn't I didn't like it for a couple of reasons. One, it's I don't actually enjoy the the I don't enjoy adversarial interper, interpersonal communication. I really like collaborative problem solving. Mm-hmm. I like building teams, I like working with people. Um and so for me the the military source operations part, which is like you know, um, you know, finding, uh, finding, and recruiting and training assets, yeah. was was infinitely more fulfilling, right? Um, because when you, you know, when you capture someone, like when you guys would roll somebody up, in my mind, there's like a stopwatch that starts right, and every single thing that that person knows is becoming uh, old, yeah, and. The longer it goes on, the less valuable it is, right, which is the goal of like these interrogations mm-hmm. is to like get that stuff quicker, but i just I was never really into the mind game piece of that mm-hmm. um, and with you know with with military source operations you're building you're building networks that provide continuously up to date uh, Uh, assessments of what's going on uh, and, you know, helping you solve problems on the battlefield, whether it's for, you know, your commander, for partner forces, uh, for a wide range of different organizations. I just, I love that. It was very dynamic. And um,
0: so is your first deployment as interrogator or was it a human guy?
1: uh, It was as a human guy, um, but you know, and we, we did some of both, but I I didn't work in a detention facility because I, I was pretty good at and my thing, Mm -hmm. which I think was literally based on me being able to make people laugh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was my cope growing up dealing with hardship as a kid, right. As humor. Mm -hmm. And uh, so like, I, you know, I would go into these meetings uh, where, you know, the, the, a company rolls up this village and, you know, I go, you know, we go into meet with the, you know, village leaders and everyone's like, so fucking tense. Cause it was like, you know, it was like 50 dudes with machine guns and missiles and stuff all over your village. Like there's a lot of tension there. Yeah. And you know, everyone's very serious and on edge mm-hmm. and, you know, and I was the guy who'd be like, where is now, of course, this was before like those 12 Navy SEALs shot Bin Laden. Right. And, yeah. uh, but you know, but I'd be like, where's, uh, a... Where's Osama bin Laden? (laughs) (laughs) And like these guys, you know, they like look at each other, and they'd be like, they look at each other, and they like look back at me, and I'd be like, uh, I'd be like, is he uh, he, fucking over there? Is he retarded? And and then they're just like looking at each other, and I'm like, is he under one of these blankets? Dude, they're like, I would start laughing, and they would start laughing, and like, and I, it would just, and it would just roll in, man. And I could, I, you know, kind of diffuse attention, make friends, build relationships, find shared outcomes that we wanted to achieve and work together on those. Um, And then, and then later that, uh, that kind of evolved. I, I I got some translators to help me um, deconstruct Afghan narrative humor so that I could write, uh, I could write jokes uh, that would like crush an entire jerga. Are you
0: kidding me? Yeah. Really? So, so tell me some Afghan jokes.
1: Okay. So admittedly what I would do, I, I, I deconstructed it. Wrote out like how to build them, Yeah. and then I would take uh, extremely insensitive American jokes, mm. and I would rewrite them, pointed at the like opposing sub tribe or whatever yeah, for yeah, the people like I was Hizara talking to, or something. right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. like and I, I could just I could put a whole room on the floor, yeah, and you know these guys would just spend weeks calling me, you know, trying to come meet with me, talk to me about stuff, and it was just, <laughs> it was really, I really enjoyed that part of the work, and I was able to to ha- achieve demonstrable force protection security, uh, security outcomes, man. Like, and, you know, in that, in that year, you know, my unit had 42 guys killed. You know, we had over 200 amputees. It was, it was a fucking rough tour. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, um, it was both, both helped me deal with that. But right. also, you know, my second tour was in a unit I affectionately refer to as Pogadishu. And uh, they were a traditional Intel unit that, mm. you know, spent a lot of time playing Xbox on deployment and, um, and uh, you know, were extraordinarily adverse to going outside the wire. Right. And, you know, for me, it was like, okay, when our attached, the units we're attached to are taking casualties, I can't look at myself in the mirror unless I'm spending like 20 hours a day doing every single thing that I possibly can to, to disrupt those networks, to... <clears throat> um, you know, gain control of the battlefield in, in the ways that I can contribute. Right. And so, uh, so I got out of the army after that deployment, after that second one. What year is that? 12, 13. Yeah. That was, um, mm-hmm. uh, region. Um, yeah, so I got out after that, uh, tried college for a little bit. How'd that pan out. Um, I was pretty, <laughs> I went to a school that said online that they accepted joint service transcript credits, a state school. Mm-hmm. Um, I found there that it was kind of a bait and switch. They gave me like four PE credits out of like my hundred something service transcript credits. Yeah. And I was did like- Did you have a language? No. No? No. no. But I, I did all of like the advanced human schools. Yeah. that Like, you know, it'd be like There's a the lot of school. Yeah. ASAT three equivalent on yeah. the poke side. Right. And um, uh, did that stuff. <laughs> but uh, so- I, I was kind of frustrated because I I'd, I'd wanted to only spend maybe a couple of years in undergrad mm-hmm. uh figuring stuff out. I was doing business school at first. Right. Um and then uh kind of rage quit and went back to Afghanistan third time. Um Did you join back up? No, I I got offered a job at working for the army yeah. as a uh operations officer. Oh, uh, okay. Uh for a SMU detachment up there mm-hmm. and and I think too that, you know, I struggled with a lot of survivor's guilt after yeah. my first tour. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, I think a lot of my going back there was, was I don't really know what I was looking for, man. Maybe like redemption or revenge. Yeah. I, I don't know, death. Yeah. Right. You know, the like, the like, well, I don't know. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's weird to think about uh, looking back, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, but I wasn't finding it. Um, I, between my first and second tour, you know, I, I uh, had a suicide attempt, um, which, you know, I just kind of dealt with on my own in the army in the army. Yeah. Um, uh, my, my dog actually, my dog actually attacked me and it's like super weird. Wow. Wouldn't let me blast myself. That's nice. Very nice Yeah. It was nice a yeah, really, that's it's a, good, a good, good dog. It's a good dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a good dog. Yeah. It's like never a peep out of them. Otherwise ever before, ever right. after. But, uh, I appreciate Yeah, that is nice. It's good looking out. Well,
0: I think a lot of guys, you know, I think a lot of guys struggle with survivor's guilt and, you know, because it's guilt, right? It's it's just, and it's guilt of overwhelming proportions at times, <clears throat> especially if you've dealt with a lot of, uh, if you've dealt with a lot of death and uh, amputation, a lot of uh, significant injuries. I, I, I think that, from uh two thousand, you know, but definitely from like two thousand five to two thousand nine. That's what kept me going back to Iraq over and over again. And it it wasn't as if I was having like a, a tremendous time. It was like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm gonna do this until I'm dead or right. until I've got, you know, a loss of leg or arm that provides me, you know, legitimate reason not right. to be here. So then I was like, Yes. But then it never happened, think. Thank goodness, right? <laughs> right. Which was like, um, you know, a lot of people thought, well, that's just like, you know, you're an adrenaline junkie or whatever it might be. And it's like, it's not really well, most of um most of my adult life was was either in Iraq or Afghanistan because it was it was a comfortable shoe for me to wear. You're good at it. I I don't know. I don't know if I was ever good at it. I think I was uh, capable, which at that point in time, the the wars needed just capable men. So, Uh, but then you know, there there are a lot of things I hated about it. Like I just fucking hated about. (laughs) Like, uh, you know, my experience there was like very. um, There's a lot of very transparent issues that I could see especially Afghanistan. I saw it in Iraq, but I cared less in Iraq for some reason. Right. Um, I don't know what it was. I just cared cared less about it. The fraud, waste and abuse. Uh, The government just like direct fraud, waste and abuse. And, And it really, by the time I got to Afghanistan, it looked like this is just an expenditure of taxpayer dollars. Right. Through, uh, and when I, when I say that, it's like they're, they're going through the exercise of just transferring wealth from taxpayer to uh, military industrial complex. Right. And I'm a warfighter. I believe in killing people. Right. I'm not a pacifist. I just think there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And when you have corporate greed that interferes with, uh, we'll call it mission success. Right. Like the two biggest things that are fucking problems. Corporations and lawyers, when it comes to war, like they can both eat a fucking dick.
1: I I just remember I remember being in a, a training school, and this was like eleven. So this was between my first and second tour. When they was it eleven or twelve? They killed Bin Laden. Um, I don't know, twelve. I think yeah. no, no,
0: because it was uh, it was on the ten year anniversary of of right. right. Okay, that same okay, time. so it'd been yeah.
1: eleven. All right, and uh, and I like remember looking at the guy next to me and being like. I'm really glad I got to go fight in Afghanistan before it was all over. Right. Because that, I mean, that was really the, the farthest you could stretch the reason that the American people sent us to Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. right. That the American people agreed uh, to participate in this conflict was like, you know, the vast majority of the objectives set out were one on the ground, probably in the first like four months, Mm -hmm. you know? And then, so like, if you're going to stretch goal, it, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's Bin Laden, um, and and then we achieved that, um, and then you know I, I went two more times, right. and my third tour in particular, man, uh, was that probably the highest access level that I had been at before. And when I was a sergeant, then a staff sergeant, my previous tours, you know, a lot of it's like, okay, grand strategy, yeah, like I get that because I read a lot, but like that's out of my bubble. That's not my problem. Sure. I got to worry about my squad, my it's guys, about my pay grade. It's about yeah. my pay grade. And then when I was there, I realized that it did not exist, you know, and that we were, and to, to quote a, uh, a geo who was kind enough to be frank with me, I, my first tour with kids as well, which was very weird. Yeah. Um, cause it changes all the, like the cowboy math. You can't, e- yeah, you yeah. can't, it's, it's very strange. I, it kind of, I had a close call and you know, for us, it's like me and another guy driving around the city, you know, um, by ourselves. So there's like not a lot of fucking wiggle room. Um, and so, and I was kind of talking about it and I was like, you know what, what is it that we are doing here? Mm. And you know, he was like, we're, uh, protecting each other and we're spinning our wheels until the American people decide we've had enough of this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, I don't know if I can, if I can die for that. Right. Uh, so I, I resigned. I came back. um, And then, you know, and then it was, but then it was the challenge of like, okay, you want to talk about survivor's guilt before. Now I'm like, I literally just walked away from this, this one value that I added to the fellow warfighters, which is force protection, you know, network disruption. Um, And so it was really, I was trying to find a path to fill my cup. Um, My wife uh, recommended I I get out. She's like, I can't see you sitting in an office, man. Mm. You should probably not be a supply chain guy because you're going to drive me crazy. And you. Uh, I changed to uh, pre-law, and really just started trying to. I was like, I'm going to get back in touch with my roots, what I'm good at, which is building teams, collaborative networks, trying to solve problems. Um, And I was like, I'll just use kind of college as a test ground to see what works. You know, what the crossover is between policy, fixing bad policy, and uh, and so I it was very effective and like. I built a large veteran student veteran community. We got uh, a couple of laws passed to fix what was wrong with higher ed for vets in Wisconsin. Um, it was fulfilling. Uh, got involved in the VA healthcare fight. Um, you know, uh, around eighteen mm-hmm. um, to to get the VA Mission Act passed, uh, which is very exciting and fulfilling. What was that that was uh, gave uh, veterans access to urgent care in their communities, um, and most importantly. Uh, compelled the VA to provide referrals outside of the VA if they couldn't provide those services. And that's, that's been under attack since, you know, post-election, which is a fight we, you know, have been participating in as well. But uh, so that, that for me was like trying to continuously build communities, particularly for younger vets getting out where I could connect them to fulfilling work, connect them to fulfilling fights to get in. Right. Because we do like to fight and, uh,
0: yeah, and there are there are the right fights and there are, there are, there are the wrong fights, and I think right. you know I, I was reading some article um, it was several months ago that I it was either I think it was the Washington Post or the Times might have put out, and they were talking about how uh, veterans are inclined to to join groups in like their online subgroups and things like that, <laughs> and they. A lot of these guys can be switched on to more of the extremist types of groups. Yes. And, and, uh, I think it's, I think it's strange, but it makes sense. Like one of my friends was, um, he was there uh, on January 6th in the Capitol. He's one of the 20 plus guys that were actually rolled up on that. I went to the Q course with him. I worked at the agency with him. He's like Friend, right? And I was shocked. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> extremely
1: intelligent, high performing but, guy,
0: right? Yeah, but you know, the other thing is, is that that the other thing I think that that people need to take into account is like I've known him forever, and um, you know, I don't know how many. IEDs the guy's gone through. I don't, I don't right. know what type of brain trauma that he's gone through, but he's obviously not thinking clearly to have done what he did. Right, and so I think about it from the context of brain injury and just cognitive function, and how we as a society, especially the court system, you know, a lot of people don't
1: have this this shared experience that we have. You it's know. vocational, right? It's a weird thing that it's the only culture that's essentially only vocational, Correct. right? Maybe law enforcement, fire has some of that, yeah, e- yeah, EMS. Sure. yeah, uh, But it's not the same because you don't live with those people you 100% don't of the time.
0: live with them 100% of the time. You know, you have this... And then you have a galvanizing, extreme, emotionally intense event like combat right. where the most of these people become closer... To you than family because yep. you've relied on them for your 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 life and especially if you've had you know parents or peers that have failed your, that have failed you uh, in your life then you rely on these people more right. than you ever have for any other family member. It's you know combat is is one of those things that when you have a connection with other combat veterans it also translates across. National identity, because I can talk to a guy from the UK or from yeah. the from you know Denmark or wherever it is. You, you name the country, right? And we all have this same shared experience, especially if we've walked the same ground, right? It's this. It's this binding element to our, our DNA that it's irrelevant. Is to where you came from or what your yeah, background? Everything else is. is
1: peripheral. Yeah,
0: right. It's because we've all done it, and it's not like it's a fucking recreational experience, right? right? Like, <laughs> uh, right. Oh my god, I've been bungee <laughs> jumping too. We should be in a bungee jumping right. club together. Yeah. It's like it's not Woodstock, uh, man. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. little different. It's yeah, a little bit different.
1: <laughs> and I mean, but and I think the like the post Afghanistan refugee efforts indicate that. Like just, I, I mean, I, I've got. I'm like. I'm like best friends for life now with like a bunch of like British paratroopers sure. that I just, I stumbled across trying right. to help guys out, you know, get out of country, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and, you know, I'd never met him before, but we've been in the same camps. We've patrolled the same roads, yeah. you know, and, uh, and that experience is, it is international. That's, that's funny. I didn't really think about it like that.
0: Well, it's international. Like I was talking to, um, uh, Christian Craighead on the podcast, and he's a buddy of mine, the former SAS guy that um, w- went in, saved it. So like the mall, six, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so he was so fucking badass. He was on the <laughs> podcast, and he's a, he's a good buddy of mine. He's coming yeah. to work for Black Rifle now. Awesome. And, um, but within fifteen minutes, we were best friends. We were going right. to go do karate in the garage, <laughs> and. Uh,
1: Get the nods on. Yeah, yeah. and uh,
0: <laughs> Because it was like, he named a city. I was like, oh yeah, you remember that place right here? That's right. You know, oh, you were there and I was here and we could do not only the city, but the place game. Like we can smell the same hot sand, right? right. We, know, we know one another.
1: You both know what the uniforms in your old tough box smell like. Yeah. Because
0: yeah. uh, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. Yeah. And I, I've been trying to have more the 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 special operations community this is like the community that i came out of yeah but i've been trying to have more conversations with a uh, 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 concentric rings of the military community in order right. to, to paint picture paint a picture for people uh this is a veteran experience right like right. your experience is similar but different than mine i had a uh Electronic DJ Guantanamo BAE he was yeah, on. There I saw that on last week. I loved it. Dude, he's super fun, man. Super fun. And <laughs> his experience is totally different than mine, right? right? It's like he he was like, he's like, man, it's kind of a dirt bag. Like, you know, Guantanamo, <laughs> yeah. like you know, but I get it because right. dude joined the Navy who's super fired up. And then he got stationed in Gitmo.
1: Yeah, that's right? rough. Like,
0: <laughs> Fuck off! You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like that—that that would suck,
1: especially it's, if you're at like for Riley, man.
0: Yeah, dude, it, and it's even worse because now you're like, you got to be around these guys, like all the fucking time. Like, at least right. I could go out and hunt people that right. were bad guys, right? Not protect them and then like, right. make sure they get water. Right. Like, fucking, what a like, what Like, what that would do to your head as you know a twenty-year-old or whatever it might be. And he's such a cool guy. Like he's awesome. Yeah. Like he's super fun. But his ex- he's found mil- his path too. Yeah. Yeah. Like he did his thing, and then he goes off, and he's he's like very successful. He's a really interesting guy, and he's living this totally separate and unique, cool life with this military experience. Yeah. We have a whole generation of GWI guys that are doing that, to include you.
1: Yeah.
0: That's why I think it's so fun to talk because we we can talk about the same thing. Like you and I both agree like Afghanistan was a shit show, right? We, right. we can agree what, what you were talking about is like the strategic objectives. Yeah. And this is the thing I used to tell people, I still do all the time. I'm not telling you, I'm just telling yeah. you so we can talk about it, which is the lack of strategic objectives, clear, definable, mission success criteria would have fucking solved Afghanistan in 180 days, yes, in six months, yes. If the United States would have laid it out and said, "These are exit minimum criteria. success criteria. Yeah. This is our exit criteria. This is what we need in order to 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 right. withdraw our presence right. in Afghanistan or stabilize in order to you know fulfill our our our, our international strategic right. stabilization objective, whatever it might have been." Yeah, then commanders could have been like, "Great, guys." Come down from the executive office. This is what we have to do. We got 180
1: days to solve this problem, right? And we're going to just knock Back it planet. out. Yeah. yeah, but they never
0: fucking did that.
1: Well, you know, we only spend about a billion dollars on staff salary at the Pentagon a year. So, I mean, only right. Uh, so, you know, you get your money's worth, I guess. Um, but so, I mean, that also brings up another point, right? Which is like, uh, for me as a liberty guy, uh, you know, a liberty biased right guy, maybe who's like politically independent. I trend conservative on, on most things. Um, Why? Why why do you trend? Why why do you think you transition? Just because like, I think I, I don't see, so I don't see solutions on the other side. And I actually, I actually went, I was apolitical when I was in the military totally because the political people that I met, particularly on the Intel side of of things, were always the people not doing any work. Correct. Right. And I hated that. And so I was like, you know what, like this, I'm, this is not about me. It's selfless Mm -hmm. service. I'm supposed to be, uh, you know, doing the job the American people are asking me to do, and I took that very seriously. Mm-hmm. And when I got out, man, and I was in college and I was trying to figure out my place, right? Which I eventually just kind of built by creating new things with groups of veterans, because um, there wasn't really a place for me, right? Uh, but you know, I I went to a college Democrats meeting. Now, of course, it was like 2016, so they yeah, were yeah. in full on like like full uh, Looney full Tunes mode. It yeah, was yeah. it was like. Ex- there was like a college Democrats meeting and a college Republicans meeting right after it. And I was like, I'm just going to go to both and just see like what's cracking here. Sure. Um, and it was extraordinarily toxic. Like they, it was like, uh, I don't really, I'm not going to get into it, but it was like, it was really. You can get into it. There's no it was, time, there's no, no time hack here. I know, I know, I know, but it, but, it, but it was, but it's not important. It was, right, it was right, so right, fucking right. off putting. And yeah. I, I was raised by, uh, by lefties. I just assumed because I care about people that I, I must be like a Democrat. Right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I went to a college Republicans meeting. There was a local uh, talk radio guy there. Dan O'Donnell is a younger guy. And uh, somebody at one point raised their hand and asked, like about some kind of like, it was like a Sandy Hook truther thing. And this guy just fucking eviscerated this dude in front of this huge group. He was just like, he was like, it was a fucking horrific and unspeakable tragedy that our country suffered uh, when those kids were killed. And anybody, like, I don't know if you're fucking with me or if you truly believe that, but if you do believe that, there's no place for you here or in the conservative movement, get the fuck out. And I was like, "Holy shit!" So where all these guys on this other team were feeding each other this poison? Yeah, I was like, "Okay, there's some internal accountability mechanisms here, right?" Uh, and so I went to I went to um, like a Reagan Day uh, dinner uh, in my county just to try because I don't know anything, right? You know, right. I don't know what I don't know. So I'm, I go out there and I and I was like, "I don't know if I'm in the right place," right? And they're like, well, "What do you?" tell me what you think about a handful of issues. And I just kind of ripped through them. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, you know, this is like a coalition party and it always has been. Right. So there's going to be a lot of people in here who disagree with you, but there's like a place for you here. Uh, and I just, I thought that was constructive. I mean, you know, later I, I found that, um, you know, a lot of what the party focuses on is protecting incumbency, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a missed opportunity because Republican elected officials only listen to the Republican party. Mm-hmm. So like, they're the people who should be holding them accountable. Um, and so I, I, spent about a year there and then, and then departed for other projects, um, where I felt like I could, I could have a better impact, uh, got involved with the Afghanistan, uh, campaign, um, and, trying to articulate all these different issues that, you know, that we've touched on, you know, the, the constitutional, the constitutional piece, right? Like the authorization for use of military force, which is like a declaration of war light, mm-hmm. um, uh, it's like a third of a page, and I, I anyone I'd recommend you look it up. It's tiny and it's kind of written in the past tense and talks about invading Afghanistan, breaking some shit, hurting some people, and sending a message is unacceptable, and then we you know you can't come here and kill our civilians um, and that has morphed into this i mean we've had military action in like forty two different countries around the world uh, justified by this Afghanistan invasion document. And for me, it kind of came to a head in 2018 when one of my soldiers was killed in Somalia, with third group. And I was actually at the United Nations for like a summer program. Um, the, I met the Afghan ambassador there. Like he asked me to be his guest to the security council to listen to their Afghanistan war debate because they actually have one. Uh, right. We don't, they, they had one. Yeah. Like two to four times a year. Right. I, I watch all these European countries just talking past this guy. He's like, Child mortality is super high fields like sanitation is poor. Like I need like the lowest level of educated healthcare professionals because like all these kids are dying and they're like, we're going to rebuild your hydroelectric dam. And he's just like, we don't have people who can run a hydroelectric dam. (laughs) He's like, they've blown it up twice. (laughs) And like he, and, and you know, and he's like, he's like, I need babies to stop dying. Yeah. Yeah. I need moms to stop dying in childbirth. I need, I need, I need people to edge Like this is what I need, and and they're just like, yeah, word. Uh, it'll probably be easier to do that with electricity from this hydroelectric dam we're going to rebuild for you. Right. And <laughs> and I and I went from that to, um, then, or with this new cobalt mine, right. right.
0: Uh, we'll, we'll decrease child mortality with right. this new uh, uh, d- tritium nitrate <sighs> lot. Li- it's mine or whatever. Yeah, right.
1: no. And, and then, and I went from that to like, you know, my, uh, my guy, my guy's mom calling me, you know, and she just said, she said, we're, she said, what, what are we doing in Somalia? Right. And I, and I said, well, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, protecting people. And he's killing bad guys. Right. You know, it's like the, the canned, canned, the canned, canned answer. Stamp. It's yeah. a canned stamp. And, and, and that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're fighting Al-Shabaab and, uh, and she just said, okay, who do I, um, I think she said, like, who do I call about that? Right. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, so who, like, who did that? Voted, like, voted for that. And I said, you know, I did the, the E5 board answer. And I said, ma'am, I don't know, but I'm going to get back to you with the answer to that question. And, you know, I was doing some con, laws, con law courses at the time. And I, so I dig into this AUMF, and I and I and there it's authorized under the 2001 Afghanistan invasion document. Nobody fucking voted for it. Right. Which means there's no one to hold accountable. And it's right. not... And it's not, to say that, it's not to say that that mission shouldn't have happened. It's just to say that none of our leaders have any skin in this game. Right. And they have to. Constitutionally, they have to. They have like three, three fucking things they're in charge of. It's the power to legislate, the power of the purse, and the war powers. Yep. Right? Uh, the only person who legislates is the majority leader. They don't do that. The purse has been empty for like 35 years. They don't do that. And they've essentially given the war powers upwards to whoever the president is at any given time so that they can kind of have their cake and eat it too. The the pro, you know, massive defense force guys get to beat their chests. They go to the funerals. They take the Instagram photos. The anti-war people do the same thing, but it's like less than 10% of the people who signed that document who voted for that are even still in office. And so one of the things that we, like, we want to, that should... These conflicts should be reauthorized every fucking two years and right. they should have those demonstrable end states those mm-hmm. clearly articulated enemies and they it has it the kids I went to college with who were ty- I mean they were this has been their entire life and these are the kids who think that the president should just like invade Ukraine right and because it's normal to them-. Mm-hmm like it it's been their whole life and that's the real risk that we that we're facing right now is an entire generation of new voters has grown up under the assumption that presidents just do all the war and there's no constitutional controls there right which means they'll make unrealistic destri- decisions and they there's no restraint placed on the military which will always act in its best interest which is why our founding fathers didn't say Listen, I want a military that is led by revolving door, former general vet bros at, you know, various, uh, various appointment positions or <laughs> contract companies. They didn't say that It's a civ- supposed to be a civilian led military for that reason, right. because we have a lot of ego tied up in the things we do in the sacrifices we've made and the sacrifice our friends have made. And that shit can cloud judgment in a bad way. Um, and so so th- that's the kind of path forward I want to see man. Mm-hmm. I want I just want to see our congressional leaders engage because when they have to sign their name on it it becomes real. Mm-hmm. The things that happen become real, but it's not right now. I well, I think
0: yeah, that is, these are these are really prominent and important points. I think you're 100% accurate. They don't take responsibility because they don't want responsibility yes. because if they take responsibility they can be voted out. Yep. And that's not what that's not what the game they're playing. They're the game that they're trying to play is longevity. They right. want to be in the seat for as long as they can. I had the opportunity to talk to um, Rick Scott. He's going to be on my uh, podcast yeah. pretty soon. The former governor of Florida. I had dinner with him. Like, look at how cool that is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like like I'm just such a. It's there are times in my life where I'm like, man, I was like a dirtbag E7. Like now I'm having dinner with Rick Scott, but. Ricks he's an incredibly intelligent person I and mean, he's in Senate now. Yeah. we were talking about this and he's like Washington is so fucked. Like I don't know if he said that because he doesn't really have a lot of uh He a picture with words. Yeah. yeah, he he used real words versus like me. <laughs> he, yeah. he used real words, but he said it's it's just lie after lie after lie. He also said the executive office, regardless of administration, is just lie after lie after lie. Right. If you want to take accountability, the party doesn't even want you to take accountability. So then you'll be at war with the party. Right. So he's like, there's no way unless you have, and that's the the underlying issue that we're running into as well. Because now you have people that are just running for Congress or Senate so they can grow their Instagram following or whatever the fuck they're doing because they're dimwits right they're they're literally the if we were in a small village <laughs> they would be the village idiot right. and now they're like now they're being elected and they're representing people they definitely don't want any accountability because once again once you once you sign your 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 name to something right. you're responsible for it but you're exactly right i was wondering about the 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 military and and trust me when I say this I don't disagree with military intervention regardless of the state because if 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 they pose a threat we should be counteracting the threat whether that's through overt and direct action or whether it's in a clandestine or economic there's a combination of methods and tools that you can use
1: have you articulated the difference of those between those on your podcast before. Between like overt and covert, yeah. Do you want? To, yeah. Can I tell the elevator fart, the yeah, elevator
0: yeah. fart story? Yeah, the elevator. So fart. one of
1: my uh, uh, mentors in one of my schools is a CIA guy. Goes uh, like one of the coolest guys I've ever met. Um, and he was grounded. a CIA guy. He was, and he was well, cool. He was an enlisted Air Force guy oh, okay. in Vietnam. All right, all right, okay. uh, so he was actually prior service, very guy. cool guy. Yeah. yeah, prior service guy. Um, but uh, he uh, he he explained it like this. Um, you know, you're in an elevator, right? Uh, with a bunch of people, and you cut one loose. It's loud. It's wet. The cheeks are slapping. It's noisy. Everybody, it smells all. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows who did it. Everybody
0: knows. That's right. It's
1: overt. Yeah. Everybody knows. They, they feel the impact. They yeah. see it. They taste it. You know, it's, it's overt. Right. And, uh, and he said, you know, if uh, uh, you let out a silent but deadly on the elevator, keep your face straight, you know, uh, everybody, the impact is there. Everyone's yeah, coughing. You know, yeah. it's very bad. But they're all looking at each other suspiciously. They don't know. Yeah. You know, it's covert. And then you know clandestine is you have a perfectly balanced diet, uh, your all your biomes are in are in sync or whatever, and uh, and nobody no, even knows you farted. Mm-hmm. Clandestine, yeah, that's great. I love it. Uh, that's it for the army guy. It's, it's the- it was the only explanation that stuck early
0: on. That makes sense. Yeah, that that makes sense. And the other thing that you can kind of layer into this between uh, covert and clandestine is you could also say. The best, the best thing you could do is blame it on somebody to right. cast doubt. And what you do is you pick the ugliest
1: person in the elevator that looks
0: <laughs> like they were the one that farted. And you are like, "Whoa, dude!
1: Come on, bro! Whoa, yeah, you hit, your buddy, on, hit your bro. buddy! Hit your buddy! You know, now, yeah, yeah. you are speaking my language. That's <laughs> uh, funny. Yeah, no, it's yeah. yeah there is, you know, there is, there is so, there is so many facets to it. But I think at the end of the day, all the tools. All, all the tools to solve all the problems we have are built into our constitution sure. requires participation. Mm-hmm. It's a participation system. Every individual person feels powerless right now, yeah. which is why they need to find a tribe. That's not a hyper partisan, like, <laughs> you know, like, because there's enough normal people in this country to fix all of these things. They're really By is. voting people out and voting good people in.
0: Using the system. I, I was, uh, I was re- I was reading uh, Joe Rogan had posted something yesterday about how some MIT computer had, had forecasted the the death of civilization by by twenty forty right and um, and I was thinking about this in the context of, of the American uh, government system and when we look at Rome for instance there's a lot of direct correlation between. What's ha- what What happened in the collapse in the fall of Rome? What happens in any collapse in an organization in in society? Which is they start to focus on things that are preposterous. Are, they're preposterous. They're irrelevant. Yes, they're. We're still at a time, and that's that's the thing. Uh, we can't completely focus on our genitalia just yet guys like we're, we're we, we can't just like make the entire national conversation about right. like we should leave that genitalia. to the mars, the mars people yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like <laughs> like leave that for the maybe like two or three generations from now right because we really have shit we got to do serious not yeah we have serious problems like can we delay that i'm not saying it's not important once you've kind of stabilized an international society yeah. where they're not going to want to invade neighboring countries and
1: possibly nuke them uh, maybe Let's, where maybe where europe is defending itself yeah. considering their gdp that's twice the size of russia's correct yeah or maybe what we could
0: do is we could we could wait in a time frame in in what i would say is organized civilization or human civilization where we're further away from throwing shit right. at each other right than closer we're closer to throwing shit at yes. each other than we are as as a as a, as a human yeah. race than we are further, and what that means is we have to evolve a little bit more there has to be a a a organized attempt to educating the world so we can all speak in kind of roughly the same logic and form before right. we we start to take on the the the, the technical and and, and uh, philosophical differences between how we want to be identified as like a furry or a lamp or whatever the fuck they want to like we still have legitimate right. problems we have to work on uh, you know that the 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 Ukraine invasion I think has proven to me so many different things that that I already knew because I think there's a lot of guys out there to your point which I, I'm. I try to be apolitical right. on new issues. I try to just really be oh, yeah. as center as I can. And what happens though is, I start to shift and pivot more conservative after I start to to do the research. And some people could say, "Well, you're only doing your research within your community, right? You're only reading the things that are available to you from Google." I'm like, "Not really, man." I I, I read a story this morning. Um, well, if you're seeking the, out different inputs, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. It's, it's fairly easy. It's like uh, I, I read a story today from the from the New Yorker. Uh, last night, I was reading something from CNBC. It, 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 it's kind of all over. It's 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 the the it, I'm not just listening in my own echo chamber. I kind of like right. like go out. Uh, the guy that wrote the story on us from the New York Times. Oh yeah, right. I still talk to him. Yeah. Like he and I don't see the world. We see the world very drastically differently most of the time I would imagine. But you know what? We can sit down and have a beer and talk about problems and agree that there are a lot of different problems that we can reprioritize in our society and talk about those. He might not agree with me and I might not agree with him, but you know what we can do? We can just like sit at the same table. Yes. Like I, I, I think there's a loss... I, when i 'll use this word because that also highlights this. I used nuance, yeah, and I was accused of using a leftist term nuance like so now we have words that are either left or right is that is that what we're doing now sure. we're,
1: we're limiting for sure they canceled that in spanish yeah. anyway right <laughs> yeah no I, I i mean it's you're you're absolutely right the like the the marketplace of ideas right the marketplace of ideas is, is is the is the key to free speech and depending on what side you're on uh you're aggressively trying to limit the speech of other people right and it's and like that is never going to be me i one of the groups that i coach and developed so like i still go to <clears throat> My alma mater, and I put on lobbying training for student government folks who are like generally advocates. right I mean it's it's a it's an urban university. Most of these kids are a what university, uh, university of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. so they're mostly left to sure, center. Sure. But the thing is, I work, I want to connect them to how to solve problems objectively and effectively because them screaming into the void, yeah, does not solve problems. and in fact, leads people to that radicalization. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you a vignette here that really kind of additionally put me on down this path. You know, I had just gotten into the student education, student veteran education advocacy piece. This guy calls me, says, hey, we're going to go protest in Madison. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, what about? And he's like, well, they're going to make graduate student tuition taxable, tuition uh, deference, no, tuition remittance taxable. So like part of the part of the shell game of higher education is that they don't they don't grad students don't pay tuition, they just pay them like slave wages to teach their classes for them, right? right? Yep. And so, but they're gonna make that remittance taxable. Wow. Which is fucked up. And in Wisconsin, (laughs) in Wisconsin, our Wisconsin GI Bill is tuition remittance. Right. And I was like, oh wow, this is a very legitimate issue. Yeah. And I'm like, now is this um this was like some union group. And I, and I was like, now, uh, I feel like this is a, maybe a federal issue, though. And they were like, well, we're going to go protest in Madison, the state capitol. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I, oh, do you want to come? And I'm like, no, no, but I'll try to help you figure this out. And, uh, and I, uh, so I'm like, what congressmen or senators have you talked to yet? And they're like, well, none. And I'm like, but this, but you're like ad- policy advocates. Like, this is how the government, like, yeah. I'm figuring out as I go how the government works. I'm like driving. I've been driving to Madison and D.C. during the week. Right. uh, Much to my wife's chagrin to like go talk to these people and learn how this works so I can solve problems. So I'm like, oh, that's fine. I'll send out some emails. I'll make some calls. I assumed as an education issue that Democrats are going to be excited, tripping over themselves to solve this problem. Right. They were. Nobody wanted to talk to me. No positions, no statements. And I was like, that's so frigging weird. I just moved into... Uh, into a new congressional district. And I was like, oh, I have a new congressman. I'll call that guy. Right, I sent him an email. Like 15 minutes later, my cell phone rings. It's Congressman Grothman. He's, he's an absolute character. And he's just like, explain this to me. Explain this, like explain the impacts. And I'm like, run him through it, cliff notes. And he's like, what do you want me to do about it? And I was like, I, mm, I don't know. Can you like delete it? language from the bill. I don't know. And he's just like, he's just like, all right, I'll get on convergence committee and I'll, uh, I'll make it happen. And then he's like, okay, bye. And he hangs up and I'm just like, well, that's, that's crazy. So I like send him the email recap. Right. As we, you know, as per our conversation, he sends me like, yep, you know, back. Uh, And then he did it. Like he, like he went, like, I think Paul Ryan was still, and he went and probably bullied Paul Ryan into getting into convergence. And he deleted the language, which, you know, the far ranging impacts of that were massive. Because I literally just took the time to call around until I found someone who cared about that. Right. But then these this, uh, student union guys call me back and they're like, hey, so you come to this protest? And I was like, well, actually, man, this, this congressman is like, like, he's, like, he's doing it. He's, like, fi- he's fixing it. Like, and he sent me confirmation that he's doing it. His office backed it up. And they're like, isn't that guy a Republican? And I was like, yeah, that's weird, right? I guess he just really cares about higher education. Right. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go protest in Madison. I'm like, for what? Like, so all the people that support their work are going to be mad or worse, think that it worked Yeah. when these people who can't even take the time to learn how the system works to solve real problems. But so that would be an example of me working in, I guess, the center left space and solving problems. And so like, that's, that's why I try to stay objective. It's why I I don't burn bridges with people who ideologically are different than me because I would consider that a conservative outcome. Right. Right, like we're like we're not we're not we're the way to fix higher education is not to put additional burden onto students who are suffering from a broken system. Right, right. Like I don't know, but people don't want to do that because then they'd have to talk to people who disagree with them. They don't really want to. Well, I think that, that that's it's really interesting because I think there's a
0: there's a lot of people to include myself. I would say up to uh, a certain point in my life. They don't really understand the system. Right. They, I think if we're, we're a federally subsidized education system, there should be a, a significant amount of education that is geared towards uh, educating, I would say, the teens sure. as to how the government actually works. Like I, I took... Uh, I, I've always been kind of a political junkie. um. So for me, it was relatively easy. I, mean, right. I was a poli-sci guy too, so it, it was really easy for me. But there's a lot of people, um, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, do you remember the McLaughlin hour? Did you ever watch mm-hmm. that? Yeah, it's like a debate show. Okay. They have like two Democrats, two Republicans, they constantly debate. That's what they, they just hmm. take on, they talk, issue they, of the day, take on the issue of the day and they just go back and forth. And it was great. But, not too many juniors in high school were, were watching that. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, yeah, yeah. like that, that, that wasn't happening. So, I've always kind of taken an interest in this because it's interesting to me. But if we have to force feed people, it might be better because it is a federally subsidized system. Right. And I don't even know if we, we, we teach like, you know, social studies or civics anymore because I think it's been replaced with garbly gook. Right. So, They can either, you know, increase their, their, their general, um, you know, GPA because they, they're like, well, this is, this, this year, what we're going to do is we're going to do color identification, right? Right. (laughs) Like that's going to be your class. Like pink is pink, right? Look at that pink. Okay. Tell me what color this is. You know, this is like senior level stuff before they're (laughs) prepping for SATs because I mean, there's like that entire conversation around people just eliminating grades too. So right. they, they, people shouldn't be graded. They should just get a piece of
1: paper. It's a logical evolution of gaming a system, right? I mean, it's like there's a system built. Like if you want to go to the best college, right. you used to just have a, have to have a stellar grade point average. Now you need a stellar grade point average plus the SAT. Plus you need to be the CEO and founder of like four high school nonprofits. Right. Plus you need, you know, you need like the diversity index. Um, I, Like I I think I saw, I'm trying to remember the article. They said like, The amount of students that um, are like applying for college and are identifying as various minority types like like mathematically exceeds the amount that exists, right? And and everyone's like shocked and surprised by this, but you've created a system that this is the way that everyone is being told you have to move up, and so people adapt to it because human beings are creatures of adaptation.
0: Well, I oh, I feel bad because was that Harvard that was openly discriminating against Asian? Asian right. children was yeah. that Harvard or Princeton? yeah it was Harvard it was think, both right yeah, yeah. like His performance is too high yeah sorry which I, which I feel bad because I was going to have my kids identify as Asian and right. then once I found that out I'm like well you're not going to get into an Ivy League sorry. school so back to twenty three and me yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. like, like figure right. out what else we got on deck you, you got some Ashkenazi in yes. <laughs> so right. I think this is what this That's is right. what we're gonna have to roll with kiddos and maybe yeah. we'll get you into the University of Jerusalem I'm not sure <laughs> but
1: you know I mean. But we're like you to your earlier point, we're focused on all these things. Instead of being concerned about our participation in the fundamental systems that 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 can correct course for us economically, socially, culturally. We're we're like we're we're caught up in these in these fire of the day things.
0: But I you know, I I can't help but think the conspiracy not not like I love conspiracies just in general because yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of like mine candy. You can't yes. eat it all the time. Or you're going to get fat as fuck. But once in a while, it's kind of nice, it's right? Games, it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, but I can't help but think but that the conspiracy is not a, it's not a sophisticated system to really unwind and go, that's the conspiracy. I got it. No. So if you look at anybody like Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi or, um, Who's the Republican side, Mitch McConnell? Right, like it's it's not hard to figure out. No, so they Mitch McConnell controls the largest super PAC, like the largest. He he has four hundred million dollars that he gets to press the buttons on anytime he wants to. He's the fucking kingmaker. Why is he still in power? He's the kingmaker, man. That's right. Why is Pelosi still in power? She is the kingmaker. They're the rainmakers.
1: They've methodically and incrementally increased
0: in consolidated power. like Consolidated yeah. power, and they've consolidated power through their ability to control capital and then disperse right. capital to the people that they want to ultimately control for whether it's a political agenda or personal. But right. most of the time, it's a personal agenda, which they try to skew. Right political where they're yes. like, I'm just, you know, I'm really just concerned with this. No, there's no reason why these
1: people are still in office. I'm actually they're just like, a better day trader than Warren Buffett.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just better. <laughs> there's no reason why they're still in office. Uh, like, yeah. It's they, they are so fucking old. Right. There's no, th- these people that are still in office, yeah. like, whether it's a Biden or a Pelosi or a McConnell or any one of these people. They're so fucking old. Like, yeah. They, they need to be put on a mantle. <laughs> like they, they need to be like, this is wood that needs right. to be petrified and turned into a fucking chair. I don't know. But they're so old. There's no
1: way you can tell me. Well, they're they're so, they're totally disconnected and and I and I think I mean indisputably when the worst downstream second third order effects of their selfish decisions are experienced, they're yeah. not going to be around to feel the pain,
0: they're they're not going to be right.
1: around in ten years, right? Like they're
0: not they're not going to be here. So when they're thinking about the future and the and and to your point, the second and third order effects of their decision making, one they don't care. They're rich, right? They're connected, and they don't give a shit. They're they're legitimately cognitively declining, sociopathic.
1: Assholes. That's what they are. <laughs> well, but the and but people are you laughing over there? People also. People also don't think that what we have is fragile, which is its own. Uh, it's crazy. Which is its own danger. I mean, because we have seen what happens when everything is broken. We've seen what those places look like, right? Like, we, but and, and we've seen how many generations have we essentially been safe, growing in prosperity, comfortable relative to the rest of the world. Um,
0: Humans are so interesting within, like. Two or three generations, they can just like forget shit. It's amazing, yeah. right? It's just, like if we just went around and we're like, well, how did World War I start? How did World War II start? What are we seeing right now in the right. Ukraine? This is a slippery slope. Like it, it, To me, it, it's really easy for us, like from, from my personal perspective, to look at, you know, historical consequences and how easy it is for us to be able to decline as a society and then find ourselves in in a big global catastrophe like a right. war. It's really easy. The pandemic is another great example. So as we, as we looked at the pandemic, look at how much propaganda was out there. Right. Like We're, we're going to shut down our entire national economy. We're going to be less competitive internationally. We're going to all walk around with fucking pieces of shirt on our face and pretend
1: like it fucking works. <laughs> right. Because
0: we have to pretend.
1: Yes. Because we're living in a pretend. Yes, it is. It's theatrics. He- heavily theatric. At all, I mean, it's the, it's like, I think somebody called it like the MAGA hat of the other team or something. And it's, yeah, Yeah. I, but to your point, you know, I, with the Ukraine thing, it's, it's very fascinating because like Vladimir Putin is the bad guy. Yeah. This is indisputable. Indisputable. And yet anyone who urges caution to, for example, the U.S. military shooting down his planes, right, uh, is like, well, you're a Putin sympathizer. Right. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 he's the bad guy. He's absolutely the bad guy. But the thing is, why, why is Ukraine right now vital to our strategic national interests, but it wasn't in 2014 when Russia soft invaded them mm-hmm. and has been fighting there ever since? Right. But two weeks ago, it suddenly became part of our national interest. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's not and and this idea that it's like a defense welfare state where we're like oh Europe don't worry we'll just be your army right uh, at a cost I mean we're between between VA and DOD we're cl- closing on a trillion dollars right. in, in defense and peripheral defense spending right and like and the out you know uh, caring for the the people who carry the rucksack of those policies and like uh, Europe has the means to put together and our, and maybe there's a place for us to help train you know something things we've done very effectively right things that we are good at mm-hmm. um, but i saw an immediate reaction by their by ukraine's neighbors all these european countries took relatively swift action they did. and that was an example that was an organic example of allied burden sharing mm-hmm. it was in their backyard they should be invested in it right i mean they they make the friggin uh Say who makes AT four? That's Swedish, right? The yeah, Goose? yeah, they make the friggin' AT missiles yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Why ship yeah. them over here to have us buy them and send them? Like, send them the missiles you're making. You right. guys have you have everything you need to protect the sovereignty of your of the countries in your region, and you have a responsibility to. Ukraine's got a, obviously an inherent right right to self defense, but. But this, and I think there, there's a lot of strings pulling there that want to see us building bases all over Europe again, you know, having Cold War II electric boogaloo so that we can, <laughs> so that we, you know, so we, we can like, uh, so we can. That's awesome. we, Cold War II yeah. electric boogaloo. But like, fuck your, <laughs> I'm going to make that t-shirt. I'm going to make that t-shirt. Right. Cold War II yeah. the
0: electric boogaloo. Dude. And,
1: fuck off. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like, I just, I like, and don't get me wrong. I would have loved a sweet Europe tour at some point in yeah, the army instead of in Afghanistan Wolf. over yeah. and over again. Yeah, but yeah. like, but like there, there's, we have a lot of problems here. That, that those resources, we have a broken procurement system, right? We have, we have so much to fix internally. I don't think the Defense Department wants a peacetime period because then they're going to have to look internally right. and say, like, how do we fix this? The budget hasn't gone down since we ended Afghanistan. Which is insane. It's
0: insane. It's insane.
1: I I,
0: I want to stay on Ukraine for a little bit yes. longer because it's, it's really interesting. If you look at your, your from my, from my perspective, you're a hundred percent accurate. This is a European problem, which needs to be fought from the European perspective. They need, they, one, they need to start paying their bills. True. Like when, when we, when we look at, uh, what what is it? The allocated amount per GDP is what two percent
1: or something like that, right? <laughs> for um, for NATO, NATO, NATO yeah, yeah. right?
0: But this is a NATO issue, and, yeah. and whether well, it's a w- EU issue, it's EU and but which it's includes also NATO, correct? Right. So it's not our issue, and when I say it's partially our interest, which sure. becomes a subset of our issue, but right. it's. Partial interest subset issue, right? It's
1: their fucking issue because <laughs> like, we we've got NATO allies who yeah. who we have we have committed to defend. And another thing that's irking me, and this is a little wonky, man, but like right. everyone's like, well, we promised to defend Ukraine. No, we didn't. No, we did never. The nineteen ninety four Budapest Agreement is between uh, was between uh, Russia, us, and Ukraine to get nuclear missiles out of there. It didn't mention anything about military support or defense. It's it's not in there. I've I've read it. It's not in there, and neither Bill Clinton or George Bush Senior sent it to the Senate to be ratified. So it's not even a real agreement. It's not a real treaty. The American people have made no commitment through our constitutional process to to that country, and it's not. And I'm not even saying in this in the statement that that let's let's say ukraine wasn't our national interest then why since 1994 has nobody taken the time and expended the political capital to sign an agreement with them right because they're not truly in our strategic national interest we don't want russia expanding and invading their neighbors we don't so we should be supportive of european efforts to raise and build and train and fund a military that can defend their that can defend their region because they face true physical threats to their existence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we can do that without they can do that, and we can be supportive of that in a way that's constitutionally appropriate. And but we're not doing that. And we're not interested in that. And no one there are certain people, future former Congress people on the on the bird app, you right. know, who are like, we need a no-fly zone. We know get in there and shoot some jets down. But like where is, have you proposed a declaration of war? Because that's what that is. Right. That's a declaration of war. And these are not actions that, that, that should be taken lightly. These are not actions that should be debated behind closed doors. They need public, rigorous debate. Mm-hmm. So that the American people can decide, do we want our sons and daughters to bleed for this? Because they will. Mm-hmm. They will bleed for this. We get to decide if it's worth it not not Joe Biden right not Donald Trump now whoever's president sure they don't get to decide that but this precedent of congress ignoring their war powers duty is is the danger right because it's become the norm mm-hmm. and that's why i think it's i think at its core f- compelling them to get reengaged like you know war powers reforms that required to be reauthorized by name by member every two years along with the defense budget that's how you get these people engaged right Um, so that, you know, when they're, so they face the consequences for their actions. Yeah, that's a good point. If you were to roll back the clock
0: and look at it from Iraq, uh, from an invasion perspective, would you call that a justified invasion?
1: So, I mean, I, I never served there. I loosely educated. I mean, I, I think there, obviously there've been, there were problems with how that was, how that case was presented, Mm -hmm. but I would argue that because they had to vote on it, Mm -hmm. Um, like 80% of those guys and gals who voted for that war got thrown out of office. Yep. There was an account there. The mechanism for accountability existed because they had to vote for it. And so, yeah, it was bad that they got lied to about stuff or misled or whatever, but they were held accountable. Mm-hmm. Now you one would have hoped that in going forward, the, the change of behavior would have been, I'm going to dig more into this shit right before I get engaged. But, We saw the opposite happen. We saw relinquishment of responsibility and accountability, um, you know, pass the buck upwards uh, to the people who have enough capital at their disposal to weather the storm of being the bad guy over and over again, every single year, every single session, regardless. Right.
0: Yeah. I think about it now because I'm, uh, as I look at Ukraine I look at the situation in Ukraine, and then I look at uh, one, I look at this step one. I look at this as a primarily a European problem, yes. which means it requires a European solution. Two, secondarily, the focus has to be aligning our interests around real strategic threats, not um, our strategic threats are not the Taliban and Afghanistan guys. like just just so you know that that they they, they can't mount a land invasion. and and take away our sovereignty. It's not possible. Strategic means what can people do specifically to our country that jeopardize our sovereignty, not scare us, that's terrorism. Difference, big, 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 big difference. So you have primarily, you've got four main countries in the world that uh, I would say deteriorate our strategic interests uh, and that we have to be, very concerned with in combating their interests. So China, Russia, Iran, North Korea. And as we look at this, you have to pull apart the entire, we'll call it network, and look at who is participating and directly contributing to their success as a nation. So when we look at economic sanctions, when we look at military uh, intervention, there's There's a cascading effect that we have to align as a nation around what our primary focus is going to be. How do we protect the nation? How do we maintain sovereignty? And that also means economic sovereignty. Right. We all have to agree. China and Russia are bad. Even if you just want to go like white cowboy hat, black cowboy hat. (laughs) I don't give a shit. (laughs) Right. But it's pretty easy. Right. There... The other point that, that one of my friends was making, which I thought was like really interesting, is that as a United States military, as, as a service member, if we have a spouse that's doing business in China, you have to not only do you have to identify that, you have to disclose it. You have to, it, it, when you go, when you go, you're supposed you're, to, you're supposed to, your SF 86, <clears throat> when you're filling out your SF 86. But if you're in special operations, like, right. Man, if you talk to a Russian, if you just talk to a Russian, right? You got to put in a contact form. You you got a time and place. So we've had members of Congress <laughs> that are
1: sleeping with Chinese citizens. Like, well, I mean, who it, are specifically connected to. Intel- the, the intelligence that machine right directly right. connected to the intelligence machine so raporos, when we look yeah. at
0: there we all kind of have to agree on a set of rules as to who our real enemy is or right. enemies are and then we have to say everybody's got to play by the same rules we have to be able to say as a society China Russia Iran North Korea we just don't play nice with each other yes. so we don't that doesn't mean we have to be complete isolationists it just means like yep. hey let's identify these kind of core countries, figure out exactly the way that we're gonna communicate and live with them and work around them. And or work whatever. around right. them. Correct. Right.
1: Marginalize their interests abroad. Make sure that we're be a better partner economically. <laughs> I mean that's like again, there's so there are so many tools. We're so like reactionary, you know, we want to come in after something is imploding instead of instead of looking I mean, because, you know, we have a political machine that looks barely six months in advance, let alone 10-year, 20-year plan of like, let's be a better partner in this region economically. Right. Let's figure out how we can encourage U.S. firms to, you know, have talent exchange or or goods or services exchange with these countries so that we can give them a taste of that right. better life. Like, for example, you look at Iran, I think, I think the, Education of Iranian students. The educational exchange in America is probably one of the greatest soft power tools to change them long term and be- make them more Correct. aligned with free society. Right? Yeah. Because they see what it's like. They get a taste for it, and freedom tastes fucking good, man. Yeah, it tastes so good. It's really great. Like, like
0: once once you go once you go free, you don't go back. That's yeah. what I I mean. <laughs> I don't say that but I don't say that very often but when I do <laughs> no well it, it, covid did this for me it it really it it showed everybody's cards it, it did mm. like it showed everybody's cards you know when I would go to washington or california or any of these other states prior to prior to covid there was always that underlying there's a little bit of you guys are fucking retarded There's a little bit of like you guys are a little bit fucking crazy. You're out there, right? Retarded in the purest sense. I'm not saying mentally ill. I'm saying directly opposing to the normal. Right. 1992. Yeah, yeah. So, but what COVID did is is showed us just how fucking crazy some of these people are because they locked their cities down. Right. And when you're going to a red state because you need freedom, Everybody should In that state, should be really
1: taking a look and holding everyone accountable. It's like tar and feather time, man. It's crazy. I don't know. I like. I don't, like. I don't know. Like, I feel like I would. I feel like I would get my ass kicked for that. You know, it'd be like. It'd be like if I uh, if I was like, dude, I don't like drinking with my army bros, man. These guys play too rough. We're always getting in fights. You know, I always got. A lot, you know, I always end up with like a bloody lip or something because yeah. we're you know horsing around. I'm gonna go party with like I'm gonna go party at I was at McCord or at yeah. JBLM, so I'm like I'm gonna go party with the McCord guys. You know, I'm just like, come back doing like the walk of shame from like the Air Force side of the fence. You know, do I get my ass kicked for that. Yeah. But like, you know, we, uh, Wisconsin, we, you know, it's, it's a split state. So like, it was like draconian top down yeah, yeah. and then like, we, you know, continuously fighting to, to, to unlock the state. And, and, but like the, I think it was like the Illinois governor was just like partying mask off. Like he literally banned interstate travel from his state and then came to Wisconsin to party. Right. And I mean, obviously the West coast was full of examples like that. Um, but I, the concerning part to me was the sheer volume of people who not only were willing to throw away their liberty for a paper-thin blanket, veneer of security, yeah. but would Everybody actually else's. take militant action yeah. to take other people's for the same thing. That that's a, that's a that was concerningly successful. Yeah. It, right? It, it didn't take much. No. This wasn't even... A,
0: no offense to anyone that thought that this was a really uh, a, a a very scary event. Uh, I know what scary events are. This just just wasn't one. For some people, um, I'm sure it was man. It, it, for some people, because yeah. they've lost family members, but what I'm referring to is a significant percentage loss of life. and I'm right. not saying that every life is not precious. I'm not saying any of that. I'm right. saying When we're looking at if we increase our the the, the death rate to healthy you know uh fighting age men and women both if we increase that to 50% that's a different story oh my god yeah that's that's utter annihilation yeah, of the it's society nightmare fuel. it's yeah. a nightmare because now you, you're, you're, you're deteriorating your ability to have a successful workforce and defense force. Yeah, so when you're and looking growing at the a next country, generation, right? Yeah, and growing a next generation, like being able to successfully um, procreate and generate, the, you know, and backfill businesses, yeah, everything, build, yeah, everything, everything. But this, uh, what it was, was it was okay. We got to wash our hands. You know, right. and we have to be a little bit more careful to make sure that we're not spreading things. Take right. logical, common sense solutions. But when I when I have governors that have a lower education than I do right. telling me that a that a, a piece of t-shirt cloth will block a virus, you know it's bullshit. Not right. only do you know it's bullshit, you know that they're lying. <laughs> right. Because you know that they have access to the information that tells right. them it directly otherwise, and th- it, was part it was just of this- it was
1: inherently political, but the, that but the political was because it was presidential election, correct? And that was part that was built into the platform yeah. of one party, and so like it was canon, and 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 no one was allowed to disagree from no. the media on down, um, and the the damage. I mean, just look. And I think my wife and I were talking about it very early on. Uh, Because I, and I, we laid low at the house for quite some time because we we had the means. uh, We were able to work remotely. Yeah. um, And it seemed because we had the means to, sure, maybe we should do that. But even like in the first month, you know, we're just like, okay, so there's, obviously there's people with these comorbidities that are at a really high, really high risk rate. Why didn't we simply ask those people to prioritize Ask those people to quarantine so that the greatest economy humanity has ever known could continue to chug along and provide for those high-risk people right. while they laid low, while we sorted this shit out. Um, instead, we destroyed everything for for, well, for an election, man. For, for an election. In my, in my and, opinion.
0: Well, I mean, the, the data is out that every right. one of our precautions that yes. we took— didn't prevent this from spreading. So all of them, like, so whether it's a mask, even the lockdown, because people were moving or there was a, there was enough mobility, whether that was like direct economic mobility in the sense of people were moving for work and they were participating in group events, whether that's family or work, that there was still enough mobility that the virus would spread just as actively as it could, if we hadn't taken any to, and right. when I say it's like, I don't know if the percentages are direct, but they're really close. Yeah. And so, like, and
1: I, and I got vaccinated because kind of a fat ass. I got like, I got health issues from the military. I'm sure it's whatever it's burn pits or whatever, like whatever, who cares? Yeah. But like, I was like, well, yeah, I'm done having kids. My wife's my wife was pregnant. Right. And I was like, I should, I should probably do this. She still fucked you. Know? Fucks you.
0: Which is right. good. It's also so good. So you're not
1: too fat, nah. right? <laughs> still, still in the safe zone. Uh, in, in Wisconsin, we get a little more wiggle room than uh, than you guys out here in the, <laughs> in, the uh, in, in the mountain states, for sure, man. <laughs> so fucked up. <laughs> no, she no, she's great. She's uh, she's. Uh, How many kids do you guys have? Four now. Four oh, now. She, she's she's getting she's rolled up for the for some uh, Ukraine adjacent duty. So she's. Uh, What's she do professionally? She's a. Uh, Well, she was a middle school teacher. Uh Uh, You'll like this. She was a middle school special ed teacher for about 10 years. She had wanted to join the military, maybe go to like Annapolis or something like that out of high school. You know, it's 2004. Her parents were like, no, there's a war. You know, you should really, you always wanted to be a teacher, be a teacher. Well, then she ends up with me. And everyone who comes to our barbecues are all these like crusty ass, even the women are like crusty ass combat vets. Right. And after after my third tour, we had a big, big party. And she was just like, man, I really wish I had, I really wish I tried. And I was like, whoa, hold the fucking phone. Just, Just do it. Yeah, just do it. I was just, just do it. And she's like, what do you mean just do it? I said, just join. Cause like you've met the old timers you can tell they've been saying that shit on loop for half a century. And frankly, I just don't want to hear it for the next 50 years. Uh, And so I was like, just do it, you know? Yeah. And she's like, you're going to, raise all these kids and go to college and do all that you're, you're fine. I'm like, yeah, dude, how hard could it be? You did it while I was in Afghanistan. Cakewalk. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad, dude. It was so bad. I was like, geez, send me back to Afghanistan. I mean, not now, but hey, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, this is hard. I was like, how do you how do you function like this? Dude, it's so hard. I mean, it was, it was good for me to see the other side, A, because... Um, you know, obviously, I think I've I've pr- admittedly been uh, overly flippant with the, you know, the triceratops right, type right, right, type right. rhetoric, and now I look at me, I am the Navy wife, yeah, hell yeah. So uh, what's she do? What's her uh, She's an uh, intel nice. uh, intel analyst. So uh, that's that's her area. So I I'm I'm really proud of her, man. I'm really excited for her. But she, man, she was like, she's like, I'm a 30 year old middle school special ed teacher. I can't join the military. I said, dude, what do you think an army staff sergeant was? Right. I literally drug around like 11 guys with intellectual handicaps and tried to keep them from killing each other. Yeah. So you're already good to go. Yeah, yeah. You're, and she's she's just go. she's flying, man. She's she's screaming through. She's um thoroughly embarrassed me with her up uh, with her promotion ability already. Dude. So I'm I'm super proud of her. Um and uh yeah no we're we're excited to have her back uh have her back down the road. But uh
0: is so she just been gone to is this a recent thing? Yeah very recent.
1: Oh so, right on yeah so uh so I'm 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 proud I'm excited she gets to like get into something that's you know uh a, a historical event man um But, uh, yeah. Yeah, That's crazy. No, she's... Yeah, she's the coolest. She's a saint, man. So, Uh, what what do you do? What do you do, like... What do you do now? uh, What's up? uh, So, own a consulting business, uh, which... Damn, uh, we... Is now like incubating a tech startup. I'm really excited about. Uh, I'll some others. when we when we go to launch, I'll come back and talk cool. about it. Otherwise, my right. tech guys will rip my fucking nuts yeah, out. Yeah, it's fair because um, I'm a luddite and I'm doing a tech startup. So that's because that's what you do. Yeah, yeah. Exactly and uh, and then uh, you know I do advocacy work in the veteran space. Mm-hmm. Uh, Concern Vets for America. Uh, I try to partner with other groups. Um, and just find like interesting solutions to problems um, in policy, public mm-hmm. policy at the federal level, occasionally at the state level. I would, there's, it's so bad, man. I don't, and this, here's another, here's another thing. So a a whole bunch of veterans groups recently, I mean, they have put so much work into this burn pit stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, we do a lot with the Hunter 7 stuff. And it's awesome, but like structurally, do you ever think about how weird it is that every single veteran organization has to expend real and massive political capital every time a singular ailment needs to be added to mm. what the VA will care for while the VA simultaneously is, you know, sabotaging things like community care access. You know, they they've like, they've added all these like requirements that are, that are illegal. They're in violation of the law um, because they, they they want to protect their monopoly of healthcare, right. Even to the detriment of veterans. But it's like no other agency the, the Congress doesn't care about policy from any other agency. They just let unelected bureaucrats write all the meta. Right. But for anything VA, they force all of these really great organizations run by extremely compassionate, hardworking vets to fight for years for incremental improvements. Why do we have to fight for, why do we have to fight over things that were a result of your of your wartime service? Right why is that a fight at all? And it's like, it, it just, it feels like as it goes on and I see more of it, like it just, it feels like, feels like they put us in this place where like they're handing these things that, that should have been automatic to us years down the line after untold amounts of people have died. I mean, look at the Blue Water Navy stuff, right? right. You know, it's, um, it's like 70% of those guys have already died. Um, and And then they're like, oh, now it's real. Right. You're welcome. And Congress is like, look what we did. Look what look we what did we for did. you. Look what we did yeah, for you. Yeah. See what we did for you? Right. And, I, and I, I don't, there has to be a conversation about that because like so many veteran organizations were like, are like trapped into this system of like, well, the VA has got like almost $300 billion. And so if you want to help vets, you need to play nice with the VA because that's where the trickle down comes from. That's where the money comes from, you know, and, and that's, that's put a lot of people and organizations in this bad mental model of like, I have to ask the VA to do it. I have mm-hmm. to ask the Congress to ask the VA to do it. And it's, um, I don't know what the road forward is there, but, but something has to change there. We, we can't just keep letting these people incrementally fix wildly broken systems, uh, that, and then like, and then like congratulate themselves for right. it. But that's the that's the trap we're stuck in, you know, and it's it's kind of like this is the thing we talk about in Wisconsin. There's there's a tendency sometimes for when there's bad policy, veterans are like, okay, this is hurting vets and their families. We got to fix this. And legislators will be like, okay, we'll exempt veterans and their families from it. And we're like, oh, thank God but it just, it shifts the burden onto our neighbors Yeah, and it doesn't fix the problem. Right. And then sometimes they'll say, oh, we'll come back and we'll fix it for everybody else later. But, but, but they don't. And so I I think, I just, I think there's a space for veterans to lead. It's a volunteer military, all Mm. volunteer military. It's the most reflective, uh, demographically reflective uh, body uh, in the country. right? Right. I mean, it's the only time like like a salon or, you know, mother Jones or somebody will say something nice about the military. It's like how diverse we are. Right. And, uh, I just, I think there's a place for us to lead, lead the charge for meaningful Mm -hmm. reforms and everything, economic business education. Um, but fixing them for everybody. Right. Right. So that, and I think for me, that's been more fulfilling because I I feel like I'm still doing that selfless service. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it trends into self-service. Um, and there's a lot of implications, I think, for the veteran community, right? Like we're we're running on a blank check that was written on 9-11 right now, mm-hmm. but support for that is finite, and I and I think it's important to think about that with the things we expend political capital on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It, it's a it, the uh, the check
0: that was written will not last. I mean, right. and that's I mean that's the other thing that if we I think at least one of the primary solutions that we can we can unite as a veteran community around is getting veterans elected. So that I've, I've I've really tried to get a lot of veterans on the show. Tried to push a lot of veterans as far as this is who they are. This is who they are politically. Like them or not like them. What they can't speak right. to is veteran related issues. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I like Tulsi. That's one of the reasons why I like Joe Kent out in Washington and some of these other people, Tony uh, Cowden out in North Carolina, they can speak to the issues. And I think they can have a a very specific conversation around not only veterans related issues, but then how do we speak to our civilian counterparts within within our nation as to how important these things are. There's no reason, when I say there's no reason, uh, the years that I, there's been in Iraq or Afghanistan, there's just no reason why we don't have some type of underlying system that at least explores to make sure that the burn pits, for uh, for a lack of a continuing definition in this, if they had a direct health impact we need to have a cross reference of direct data that we can pull right. from everybody that is being seen in the VA system to see if there's a connection between right. burn pits not
1: we're going to have to fund all this shit and then right. shove it down their throats but and and that's you know you kind of touched on another problem where the onus the onus to receive care and to navigate this wildly complex bureaucratic nightmare is continuously placed on the veteran. Yes. Right? Like, like we have people, uh, their clinician will refer them to uh, you know, uh, community mental health care. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's a, it's a female service member who suffered you know, from military sexual trauma, doesn't feel comfortable getting leered at at the VA by a bunch of like, old timers and wants to go to a normal hospital, right? Extremely legitimate, fits all the definitions, gets, uh, and her referral gets denied. Nobody says, hey, here's why your referral got denied.
0: No, you just nobody kidding, says, now.
1: here's how you appeal mm-hmm. this. Nobody says, no. here's here's an advocate to help you navigate this system. Right. Mm-hmm. Um the, the onus and we all come from an institutionalization where you don't get to question or appeal the bureaucracy. No. There's not a mechanism an for answer. it. It's no, and that's it.
0: You have to have but that's the other thing is you have to have an advocate. So yeah. especially if you have an issue, you have to find a, a, a medical or a VA advocate. Uh, we did this with, I think, a few different early on shows. We tell people, this is the office that you need to communicate right. through in this state. And there's, there's like, every one of the states has VA advocates. Yep. Every one of them can walk you through the paperwork. Every one of them can help you navigate the system. Uh, I did it. With 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 mine, they were debating. I was debating on you know with a nurse as to well she was like well why do you have you know sixty percent hearing loss in your right ear? I'm like what did you do before you joined the army? I was like I was in college. I've never had another job. I've never had another. Well, have you have you uh, you know used heavy machinery? And I was like. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, like, I'm sure I've used it, could have been directly contributed. I'm like, my shooting side <laughs> yeah. is right side. <laughs> right. Like, correlation, yeah. I, I used to always pull one cup up. Cause you can get the weld, the cheek weld. Yeah. And I, I'd pull one cup so I could listen to a to the oh, radio yeah. too. Yeah. Because you can't listen to a radio. And I'm a right. comms guy. So I'd always have one,
1: one cup oh, okay, up all cool. the time. I wonder like, why you had all these cool radios. It, it's That's interesting nice. yeah.
0: why. It's my right ear, that one, don't yeah. you think? Well, I don't know. Have you ever run a chainsaw, or do you like to listen to loud music? I'm like, uh, hey, dude, that's not what that's not what this is from. Like, I've had one basic job my right. entire life, yeah, and it's from that the the perpetual ringing and he, and 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 and, uh, and loss of hearing is from yeah. this. I don't know. My first one was denied. My my first yeah. like in. I need a hearing aid. Right. I'm 44 years old. I don't know a whole lot of other 44-year-old males that need a fucking hearing aid. Right. And it's getting worse by the yeah. way. Like I'll be I'll be sitting in I'll be sitting in the living room, my wife will be talking to me I'm like I have no fucking clue what you just said. I have no clue. Right. Maybe that's maybe that's psychosomatic. Maybe sure. I'm just like selective. maybe it's yeah, selective hearing. Filtered. I'm just like, "Ah, you know, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. That's battalion Ooh. channel. Just turn yeah, that off. Yeah, just turn that off. <laughs> squelch that out. Just gonna <laughs> yes. squelch that. Out. <laughs> uh,
1: that's
0: funny. But yeah, well, you all need them. And like yeah. my buddy, well, Logan. Everybody knows Logan. Yeah. Logan's used it. JT's used. It. Everybody's used one. So it's the other thing is, is they don't want to seek out help, right? They're yeah. Like, I got. I'm, I'm gonna do this on my own. And it's like, right? Yo, dude. When did you ever just do shit on your own in the military? You always had help. There was always an office you had to go to with a file. Right. And you, yeah. and the person behind the right. desk, they would have to explain to
1: you how you do
0: direct deposit or whatever the hell your, it was. Your
1: ETS move is the only one where there's not some guy dragging you from S shop to S shop. All right. Get in here, asshole. Yeah. Stamp your shit. All right. Give him the things he needs to sign. All right. got to be back here tomorrow to turn these in. Like it's the only time it doesn't happen. And there's, there's no, uh, there's no, there's no preparation for it. No and, preparation. I, and I had a similar experience. I, you know, I was like, you know, VA when I was getting out and I was trying to sign up for VA healthcare, you know, and they were like, "All oh, right, we got to do disability claim. Like, so uh, what hurts? And I'm just like, you know, I don't know, like, I guess a few things and like right. some other stuff. And here, and it's like, it came back, like, and I got like the 0% no service connection. And I was like, dude, I had like 168 late days of leave accrued when I got out. When do you think this happened? Like, I didn't even take vacation in the army, right. bro. Like, yeah, yeah. I was, like, wasn't doing anything. Yeah. I went from like high school to this. Uh, and and it was, and then I, that's when I went back to Afghanistan because I you know, they were like, you know, do you have any medical issues? Nope, I'm but it's a good. Fiddle. And then there I am, you know, when I'm getting ready for mid-tour leave. I'm calling the Milwaukee VA and I'm like, I need to talk to somebody because I am having a hard time. I'm going to be back in Wisconsin in three months. Um, here's the window. I need an appointment. And they are like, oh, sorry, bro. Um, we can't fit you in that time. So just come back after your deployment. Yeah. And like, you know, and I think if it had been a couple deployments prior to that when I didn't have kids, I don't know how that would have gone. Right. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, And so a fortunate, and I came back, I got connected to uh, some other groups of, you know, vets who have other like healthcare options and stuff like that. And I, you know, I was able to get, I was able to get what I needed. Um, but, you know, it was very interesting. And and I spent about an hour on the phone with a guy, maybe a month ago. It's one of our, uh, one of my old volunteers, um, you know, who's in a kind of crisis moment. And this guy was like, he's like, well, I called the, he's like, I spent, he said, I spent 10 years too scared to call the VA crisis line because I thought the cops would come and take my guns. Right, and it turns out I didn't have to be afraid about anything because nobody came. Yeah, of course. We got to fucking fix these things. Yeah, and I think that's
0: where I, as the community, and and the further away we get away from the wars, the more we're going to have to build the communities, whether they're on social media, whether they're, you know, that, that is the good thing about social media. Right. So I, I can talk in one of my special forces group, you know, chat groups or whatever, right. talk to a bunch of SF guys, like thousands of them. With the best names. Be like, yeah. You right. know, I can say, that's right. I'm a cook or whatever. Right. You know, like in, <laughs> yeah, right. in, 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 in my, in my special forces group, right. you know, or whatever. But that is the, the 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 nice thing about social media is we have the ability to organize. So yeah. we can talk to each other. We can talk to each other about problems. We can reach out to please, you know, people like you if you're right. in the Milwaukee area, or you're also on Twitter because that's where I
1: found you. That's right. That's, that's right. true. It's uh yeah at Real Sam Rogers. I have the worst takes. I'm sorry. Um, but uh yeah no yeah please and and you know I and I like yourself know people all around the country yeah. and so it's you know if. I work best as a super connector, right? I don't. I don't have all the best. I don't. I even really have many good ideas, but I, I have. Uh, <laughs> but I, but I know people smarter than me, right? Yeah. And I'm and I am I am I am the spirit of a support guy, <laughs> and like I know when like I can handle something and add value, and when I should get out of the way, you know. And um, and I yeah, I don't know. Um, building communities is crucial. It's something that happened organically for us in Wisconsin, and then that that you know we called it margaritas with veterans. It started out as like a mandate between me and this other vet bro I met at college. And then someone was like, Oh, you guys are getting margaritas. Can, um, can I fucking come? (laughs) And then within like, within like three months, there's like 50 people would show up to this Mexican place. Seriously? Yes. And like they had these half gallon margaritas and we drank so fucking many of them. They would have to like buy more cups. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, and so then I started inviting <clears throat> veteran service organizations and I'm like, listen, this isn't a change of command. You have two minutes tell everybody who you are right, and what right. you do. And I would just be like, Hey everybody, shut up. Like, listen to these folks. They do cool stuff for vets here. You might not need this tool, but like when you get that 3 a.m. call in like five months and when your boys is in trouble, these, these people might solve your problem. Right. So like, like, hear them out. Listen to them. Yeah. Like take it in. And then, uh, and, and it was, it was wonderful it was fucking wonderful. I would bring, I would try to bring ringers from every different type of like, I brought the jujits, bro. I brought the, the golfer. I brought the, the, the three gun bro. I brought so that when a new guy, and we'd probably get five or six new guys at a time. And I'd be like, what do you like to do, man? Like, I don't know. Well, what what do you think is fucking cool? Right. Oh, I want to get into fishing. Cool. Fishing bro. Get over here. Hey, you guys are friends now. Touch chips. Get out of (laughs) here. You know, like uh, be friends and, and, and building those, ne- I mean, all these guys are still in my bubble, mm-hmm. and they've all they, it. they it's all brought benefit to their to their lives, and so. I, and I think you look around the country and you see veterans organically creating that type of sure. thing where they assess the need and they and they and mm-hmm. they see the opportunity. Um, and I and and it's, you know, some of the older VSOs don't. You know, they're like they want to try to tap into that, but some of them can't get out of their own way when it comes to that. Yeah, you're right. Um, and I mean, but at the same point you know it's a thing that i always said at, at UW-Milwaukee you know and when you when know, guys would be bitching about whatever benefits you know and i'm like listen just like remember like the guys who came before us didn't have shit. shit they fought i mean they fought for this stuff they're the ones who who got us here you know um and it's really important that we keep that front of mind right because the things we should not necessarily be fighting for the things just for us we should be improving things for the next group of guys right. and gals. Yeah,
0: because if we think we're we're the last or the only, like we're sadly mistaken. Right, and when you know, I believe it was uh, World War One veterans that that had a, a significant. Um, was a sit-in basically right in Washington? They were,
1: did they roll tanks through it? I was that remember. the bonus? Yeah, on me? yeah, that yeah. was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the bonus art. created yeah, the right. VA because I mean that was a draft, yeah. and they didn't even give you a fucking paycheck. Yeah, it was like an wild. IOU. Yeah, it's like hey, uh, hey, guy, I'm, hey, I need you to go uh fight. put on this trench coat and gas mask and knife fight and mustard gas in yeah. a trench, you know, with mortar fire, yeah. and then uh come back and, and like. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Here's an IOU for 10 years from now or something. Here's a fake face that you can wear around because half of
0: yours is missing.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. It was, yeah. I am truly, you know, it's it's weird like talking to Vietnam guys occasionally when I, you know, I first came back and they're just like, how do you fight with all that shit on? You know? know. And I'm just like, bro, how did you fight without all that shit on? Like, I'm going to be honest, man. I feel like, you know, we're, my shirt stops bullets. I can see in the dark, right, I can right. soar through the sky in a yeah, silent yeah, yeah. chariot, like it's not not to be like it's like you know that's like you used to read about that in like fables, like we yeah. have it pretty cool compared to these dudes like walking through jungle and low light, man, just like trying to smell people, yeah, trying to smell I, them i I don't know, but uh, and then those guys fought to get us the 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 benefits that we've got so far,
0: yeah, a lot of those dirty hippies that were out protesting in the you know sixties and seventies like. They they set us up pretty pretty well, and then a lot of those guys they joined Congress or they were elected to Congress and Senate. They right. you know ran for president. Like they they affected change. Yes, and that's what I keep talking to to this generation is like get out, get politically active. Participate. It doesn't matter, man. Like like get get involved in your local area. Get involved right. in the 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 mayor's election or the governor, their state, whatever it might be. There's so many different things where we can provide a voice. Yes. I I hear it all the time. Vets from across the United States or or uh, actually in the world will come in through Black Rifle Coffee. I hear it all the time. This is fucked up. This is fucked up. This is fucked up. I'm like, did you get active in your like local area? Are you participating in you know political action in any way, right. shape or form? No, I just bitch <clears throat> a lot on Instagram. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, right. of course. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, that's not going to do anything, right? right? That's like shoveling the tide, <laughs> dude. It doesn't do anything. For you to bitch on Instagram right. does nothing. But if you're going to go out and participate in the yeah. system, you can affect change. I, I know for, and it's hard. Don't get me yeah. wrong. It's, it's a it's growth challenge though,
1: because that's, bitching is the only tool we have while we're yeah, in. Right. You can't quit. You can't go home. Yeah. Yeah. It's You complain about it, but you have to switch because this is a particip- participation system. It's not about who has rank. Right. It's about who fucking shows up. Right. right. You're and right. that's it. Yeah. And, and you know, f- for anybody who's interested in, in getting engaged in, in literally anything, man, reach like reach out. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm conservative, but like I coach a lot of folks who are center left who just want to make an actual difference and don't just want to make noise um, because it's unfulfilling and it doesn't it bring is. about change. Dude, thanks, man. Appreciate yeah, it, man. Thanks so much for yeah, having me out. It was a great was awesome, time.
0: Man. Appreciate it. See you guys. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Jump titties, boy!